has a wealth of information and we're going to go through as much as we can, but we do have other parts planned for like later in December, mid-December, late December. Well, we'll keep you posted when that happens. So this is Marilyn Momo. This is my dear friend of mine. She's been a researcher for over 40 years and she's a fab. We met several years back at one of the Bay Area UFO conferences and they, she's a wonderful supporter. She buys everything we come up with. <laughs> and, and she reads it. She reads it before I do. And so she's gonna we're gonna she's gonna do most of the talking and I'm gonna ask her some questions along the way. But so Marilyn, how did you get started <laughs> with this your interest in human history, ET ancestors, and inherited wounds? Okay. Well, once uh, I got out of college and could actually study what I wanted to. I The major interest was that at about 19 and 20 years old, I realized that with friends and people I knew, there's something that seemed to be kind of off. And I narrowed those to three things. I was somewhat ignorant and naive at the time, so I'll explain that in a second. The second was that no one seemed to be thinking for themselves or asking questions or thinking outside the box or um, any of that level. Very, very little, even through all my schooling. And I remember sitting through science and through history and, and uh, just having this inkling, nothing profound, but this inkling that uh, there's so much more. Right. We're not being told the truth, right? Yeah. And then the third, the third thing was that it just seemed that people had a habitual pattern of giving, uh, of being disempowered, giving their authority away to authority figures. So uh, shortly after that, I started a long career in holistic health. And in the first year or two, I was raised in Marin County. I was one of the few blessed people who had a very easy, uh, good life, no problems, not that many insecurities, you know, all of that kind of thing. So I, and sheltered. So I was naive to the amount of abuse and what was going on, even though I was a very open thinker. So after a couple of years of doing body work, I realized, oh my gosh, you know, huge amounts of people have been abused. And of course that started me off to answer your question mm -hmm. on tracking the source of dysfunctions here especially those three that I mentioned before. And obviously, as you know, as a parent to all of us, you first track your family lineage, the habitual patterns, how you were raised, things like that. But as I kept going with clients and in my research, which was about four hours a night, uh, I it ended up taking me what I call off-planet, tracking the most ancient species that seem to, uh, the six species that specifically that seem to be our oldest ancient beginnings as a humanoid human uh, and all their dysfunctions that they took on is part of what I call earth mastery game. And so that's how I got interested in it. Well, this is a whole nother take on therapy. <laughs> yes, yes. Because, yes, you know, exactly. the, when you go to a therapist with whatever wounds and dysfunctions you've grown up with, that's 
you know, what you're going to talk about is certainly not what I would imagine most therapists talk about. So this is, it's wonderful to have a whole nother perspective on it. Well, one of the things I would like to say is um, one of the uh, Palladian term is the psychosocial engineer, and I'm very interested in the psychological aspects. And my passion, which you know, because both Joanne and I are thinking with Mark's permission to write a book on the agendas of the species, uh, what their present alliances are. Now, I have found in my research that even though the this topic seems far out, unrelated, I have found it integral and, a, and the source of everything that's going on on this planet. From everything from dysfunctions to what's behind politics to what's behind, you know, government to what's behind all kinds of insecurities. So, and also, before we get started, I would like to give thanks to Carrie Cassidy of Project Camelot. I have literally watched every single one of her interviews except for five, and I appreciate what she's done. I also would like to give thanks to you, Joanne, for giving me this opportunity to come forward. This is the first time I'm publicly doing this, and to Mark for our great discussions that we've had and 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 patience at answering my questions. (laughs) He's very patient. (laughs) And also to the audience, for you for being so open and interested to think out of the box. And please stay with it because I think that you will see as we track the patterns that our ancient ancestors had as wounds are the very ones that we are trying to integrate today. Cool. I you refer to the word densities mm-hmm. and holographic reality. So can you explain and talk something about what that means? Because it might be new to several listeners. Okay. Or, or just me. Who knows? <laughs> well, I'm certainly no scientist. Uh, I am more of a researcher and reporter and a synthesizer of information. And I first need to say that this information is a synthesis of uh, research and Lisa Royal's work. And please go to her website, L-Y-S-S-A-R-O-Y-A-L.net. She has given me permission to share it, and in the 1980s, in the early 1980s, I came across her, and as I listened, she had uh, a similar passion as I did around tracking dysfunctions and the true history of the human race, and I just fell in love with the material, and as I was deciding what to come forward with first out of a huge volume (laughs) of information, I felt that why not start at the beginning? So she uh, very sweetly has given me permission to share this information. So I want to give her full credit for everything I'll be talking about today. And in terms of uh, holograms, I'm sure all of you saw in Star Wars when the 3D image comes up of Princess Leah, or Leia, right? And it appears real. So the concept is that if we take the term source oneness, all of it is, whatever term you want to use, God, think of that as an infinite sphere, multidimensional sphere of unlimited potential and no space or time in a linear fashion. So everything's happening simultaneously. Now, when, for the purposes of this discussion, 
just um, be willing to contemplate, please, the consideration that what I call Earth Game Mastery could have been sources desire to contemplate what it would be like for it to separate a part of itself off to experience what it would be like instead of always experiencing itself as one. So when that happens, some can refer to it as the Big Bang or whatever term you want to use, when it decided to do what's called the first fragmentation of this thought. And the first fragmentation was a, uh, was often termed the founders, which was a separation of itself into individual group chunks called the founders. And this was a result of it contemplating this desire. So if you can think in the middle of this huge infinite sphere, there's like a section of infinite that it is choosing to play this game of being unlimited and yet experiencing limitation for the benefits and for soul evolutionary growth. And uh, we are it, it is us. We are creators and co-creators and we are the fragments or the shards or the mirrors that have separated from oneness and have been set off to explore all there is to explore, not only for our own individual growth and evolutionary consciousness, but for the consciousness of all and wholeness. So this game primarily could be referred to as a game of integrating polarities. And so where we started from oneness, then this idea of like, whoa, I wonder what it would be like to not know who we are, to be unlimited and play in the illusion of limitation, which all of us are doing in a third density. So uh, densities is a term used in, in the way that I'm using it to basically uh, describe condensations of matter into energy. And you can think of the colors in a rainbow where there is a slight blending of one color to the other, but there's also separate separate sections. And so if we were to say densities, then we in Earth are just shifting from what's called a third density reality, which appears to be the densest we can take a physical form in, in human to play out what we want to play out. And evidently, which is wonderful, we have come to a part of the center of the galaxy where a combination of the sun's rays that contain photon, which is equal to light, which is equal to information, is so uh, condensed and powerful that it is triggering our DNA encodements to slowly re-remember and wake up to who we are. And this is the transition 
from her cat is playing around. This is the transition from third to fourth density. Some say we are now in the lower part of fourth density, which is really, really wonderful. There are huge cycles that people like David Wilcock and his research um, to best-selling books explains all the different cycles, 25,000-year cycles, and those are uh, lessened into, I don't know, you know 2,500-year cycles. And all of that works together in the entire galaxy in a rhythm because the universe is inherently neutral. And it will balance itself out by whatever means it needs to. In nature, we call that homeostasis. So it's a very exciting time because evidently, at least in the research I've done, there are quite a number of planets that don't manage to make the very difficult transition from third density to fourth density. And they usually, at about that time, we discover nuclear power and get into all kinds of trouble with that. And so there's a tendency to blow ourselves up, which in our solar system, an example of that would be the asteroid belt, which used to be a planet, and also the uh, huge effect we had on Mars from previous wars and other things, which is not the topic for today. So, in terms of density, third density can be described as uh, kind of ego and development of the individual identity and the forgetfulness of group identity and the oneness. And the majority of beings who are experiencing that, again, for evolutionary growth and because they can, are usually self-serving. So in the polarity game, it is about unifying polarities. And I'm going to be talking about the six species who each took on archetypal stereotyped um, wounds and dysfunctions to play out and to serve us as one consciousness. And you will see that these six major civilizations, thanks to Lisa's work, literally encompassed almost every possibility there was. Uh, so the game is to go from union, from one, then we come forth as if uh, Lisa uses a great example of the old disco balls. Remember that had mirrors all around them all the time. <laughs> and then it's almost like it shatters. And then it breaks into, you know, in our case, you know, millions and billions of mirrored reflections, shards, fragments. And each one of those is holographic, meaning we yeah. contain the capacity and ability of oneness which is really exciting because as we move into fourth density, these abilities begin to come online. Wow. And that has been assisted by a group known as the uh, Syrians and Vegans, which I'll be discussing shortly. So that's the example of third density. The challenge toward awakening is huge because we agree to forget. It's so dense and the veil is so strong that we don't know who we are and it's a huge source of suffering 
And that suffering creates huge amounts of challenges, which creates huge amounts of growth. So it's the illusion of separation, challenge toward awakening, and lessons of integration. Now we're moving to the fourth density, those who choose to. So it's less service to self, which is one polarity. Oneness doesn't think of it as negative and positive in terms of judgment. And again, it's inherently neutral. You can think of negative as a charge and positive as a charge, but in this case, we're using negative for service to self, which is viable, and they're allowed to do that because if you have a polarity game, you have to have ones willing to play that, and service to others. Now, obviously, which is more of a positive polarity, and we're working on the integration rather than being so bipolar. In many of our previous lives, uh, we are considered as a human, even though we've been many things, but as a human, that we are transitioning uh, from, you could call it an adolescent species, to early, mature, you know, adult. The species I will be referring to when describing the ancient history were young. They were a young species, and today they have evolved. Some are playing aspects of the same tendencies and habitual patterns, but many have integrated and evolved and have learned their lessons just like in order for us to have peace and harmony and ultimately health and, you know, well-being, we will eventually learn to integrate. Now, integration for me I've learned this in holistic health, it's not a static experience. It's not like, okay, I've gone here and then I've gone here and now, now I have to be really balanced. To me, it's like a wave. It's the ability to be dynamic. And maybe you'll be over here and then you'll go and then up there. It's almost like how energy flows in a spiral up the spine. So most of us have had experiences of both polarities. We have uh, if you're a very adventurous explorer soul and we have free will, so you have a choice of what you want to do and where you want to go based on your uh, preferences and soul's growth and ability and knowingness. Uh, most of us have tried almost everything on and we're at a point in civilization where we have gotten to a point where we feel like we are really sick and tired of playing these same you know, extreme dysfunctional, you know, bipolar integrative, you know, kind of non-integrative games. And uh, one of the funny things that ETs often say about us is um, they said, you humans are just like your movies. <laughs> they said, you guys are so dramatic. You wait until the absolutely last, you know, moment uh, in desperation and then you wing it and make it through you know so, so it's like it's one of the funny things they say about us they also have another funny thing where they say uh you guys amaze us because we don't get how you can manifest anything and if you ask them why they go because because you guys are feeling and thinking one to 15 conflicting emotions in the same second like how does that happen? They don't get it, you know? So we're known as a very emotional, very volatile, 
very extremely adaptive species. And unbeknownst to me, I just found this out because I'm an incredibly impatient sort and I'm kind of going, can we get on with this already? Unbeknownst to me in the last 50 or 60 years, the human species is considered to evolve three times faster, evolving three times faster than most species that have gotten to this point in their soul evolution and preferably haven't exploded themselves. So uh, I have a very positive approach. I have had to learn discernment in these, this study. I was somewhat naive. And, uh, but I have an exceptionally positive approach. And the best arrogant way that I can describe that is that the, the majority of me is from the future where we're successful. So, cool. <laughs> cool. so, so, that, so let me finish yeah. in the fourth density a little bit. So the fourth density is about responsibility and use of free will and what I call um, efficient use of your sacred life force is important. You become more aware of your super consciousness. In third density, we're very fragmented. We have conscious and subconscious and super conscious. And it's not like one tied together in this kind of seamless accessing, which happens more as we move into fourth density and fifth density. We maintain the ego, but we reintegrate. Um, yet we reintegrate a little bit more of the group identity and a desire for more unity mm -hmm. and we experience the past what we call because in third density we set up linearity past present and future because that's part of the game rules here mm -hmm. and it's so we can coordinate with each other and just like we experience each other is very physical however in fourth density it becomes more fluid and we have a greater ability to be multidimensional. We have more things like synchronicity happening. I don't know how many of you look at clocks and see 1111 come up or uh, similar numbers like that. That happens to me all the time. And I feel that that's the way my higher self plays with me to remind me I'm on track. So, and it goes on to fifth density. Fifth density, from my research, is the first density where you have more wisdom, you merge more with your oversoul, your higher self and uh or your super soul which is the name of my new website is super soul solutions and when i got that in that name in a dream i didn't even realize till i researched it that super soul is a term used in vedic and vedanta literature for supreme being or oversoul right. or higher self wow. so which i consider all of us that so how did that go first? Cool. <laughs> Shall we show them your mystery, your Earth Game Mastery Flow Chart? Oh, okay. So this is a chart I derived off, to, off of Lisa's information, Lisa Royale's information. And um, I'll have that on my website, which you can, uh, you know, copy. You're welcome to copy. And in the middle is kind of the term for source, again, God. And it shows unity to separation to unity is kind of the polarity game and healing archetypal wounds for evolutionary growth. And out of the, the source being the center, you will see the right upper hand called the founders. That was the first fragmentation from source. And I'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, it's purple. The other left purple one is Arcturus. 
they're not directly connected with us. They often remain on physical, but they set up the, the first initial magnetic grid lines on Earth to assist us and uh, the template for Earth. And they'll often show up to people as angelics. Hmm. Then, uh, so from the founders, you will then follow the gold line up, and above that is the Lyrans. And um, well, I might as well I might as well go and talk Should about talk it about as long as we're we're. And the, I have other um, pictures, but let me just do a brief overview. So the Lyrans are. Uh, when I refer to Lyrans, we are talking very simplistically and very generalized about the area of the sky, uh, the general area, because it's not the same as ancient, 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 thousands and thousands of years ago time, where Lyra appeared to be the first place the founders wanted to experiment mm. with uh, creating the humanoid human template. So now what's interesting is I used to have dreams of lions and eagles would keep appearing to me. And, you know, 20 years, 30 years after the fact of these dreams, I uh, found out that the Lyran symbols are the lion and the eagle oh. and the phoenix. Oh. Uh, you know, of course, king of the jungle kind of thing now. So these are um, Lyra is patriarchal and represented kind of the custodial gods for human and i'll get into that a little bit more then you can see lyra branches off to the right to vegans vega and to the left pallades mm -hmm. some of you may have heard of palladians they're kind of our direct cousins and i'll explain why they look the most like us these are very general because there's there's all kinds of different phenotypes and um physical traits at this point uh, in each of these separate galactic species because of so much interbreeding and colonization and mixing. So please understand that this is really oversimplified and more metaphorically and symbolic. So the Palladians look a lot like us um, and the Lyrans, by the way, are mostly Caucasian features which is very interesting because this is where you begin to get to see the prejudices and the biases. If the founding fathers themselves tended to be light skin, blonde hair, then you can see, and they thought of themselves as, you know, the uh, supreme, you know, you can see where a lot of the biased prejudice comes back all the way back, like the elitism and things like that, it goes all the way back to the first colonization and the template for humanity. Not because that was sources desire with skin color. Skin color is more a reflection of planets that beings have been on and adaptability and means nothing in terms of judgment. But it is interesting because we as the children, and by the way, we are they, and they are us because in the big picture time is simultaneous and we have many of these forefathers and foremothers that we will be talking about reincarnated as us <laughs> okay sure. 
Uh, so, but we're talking very early on when humanity started and they looked at these forefathers and foremothers as God's small g, small g, of course, and that these forefathers and foremothers being all young species like us when we're young, think they know better, make interesting, not mistakes, but experiences can be very arrogant and go through all the stages one goes through as a young species. So those are the Lyrans. Lyrans went to Palladians. Palladians look the most like us. They can easily walk the planet. They have lower earlobes, high cheekbones, uh, light brown hair, wand, and I have charts on all of that too. Uh, then an offshoot of the is the vegans. The vegans are opposite. They are, tend to be darker skinned and uh, they tend to be the maternal, not the patriarchal is the Lyran, but more the maternal archetype. Very interesting, which we'll talk about this. I am having to go through this very fast. This is a very in-depth study. Do you want to show the we, we will, but I just want to finish a little bit with this. So, so we're at Vega, we're the gold, and then from the Vegans goes Orion, Orion off to the left upper, Orion dark, Orion light. Think of Star Wars, <laughs> okay? I believe George Lucas was accessing this on some level because it totally plays out the Jedis and the Empire, and uh, we'll get into that. On the right upper, also from the Vagan ancestry, came the Zeta Reticulis, which have uh, was one of the first known contacts from Betty and Barney Hill. Mm -hmm. uh, they gave her a map of Zeta Reticuli 1 yeah. and 2 and said that's where they're from. They have now progressed into a future, probable future for human race mm -hmm. as a successful half uh, Zeta reticuli, half-human species really? called Essasani, huh. and we'll get into that. Now, in the lower part under the source, uh, you see the green go down to Earth Terra, which is us, and uh, from the Palladians, uh, they were the first that came here. Oh, by the way, so above Earth Terra is cetaceans, and you can think of cetaceans actually as the first ETs you've met. Cool. <laughs> and hopefully you have. I've had wonderful experiences swimming with them, profound experiences. Uh, they volunteered to come from um, both the Pleiades and both Sirius as kind of an elder race onto the new planet Earth to help with us humans, the growing young species, mm -hmm. to hold the balance, the balance, the concept of dream time, and to hold the frequency of integration until we could step forward. Because remember, at third density, we're pretty dumbed down. Unless you've managed to keep your psychic abilities, your full latent abilities. Um, I know Carrie has and many people have managed to keep that. I have found in my practice that the, the I hate to say it this way, but the one benefit from people who've been abused 
please don't take this disrespectfully, is they have had to be so hyper vigilant that in most cases it forced their abilities to be heightened. Huh? Where this is what I have found, whether rather than in my case where I didn't have any of that, I'm kind of like yo do 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 do. So I have to research the whole thing. <laughs> so um, anyway, uh, so the dolphins and whales. The whales are a huge composite group soul entity, and the dolphins are individuals. And um, there's more to that story, okay. as you know, Joanne from mark but uh, yeah. anyway they're here to hold that and now that we're moving into fourth density or those that are choosing to move to fourth density again free will as um they won't have to take that role and as you see there's much more interaction in places like japan or defining dolphins as human you know oh. the other human you know kind of sentient species so this will continue hopefully and i'm really excited about that now the one underneath Earth's Terra, the Palladians actually came to Earth, which I'll describe in a minute, and actually took the sampling first of humans, and I'll explain why that is. The Lyrans came later and um, wanted to take over the whole thing, and then below that, the Syrians and the Palladians both uh, worked in cooperation to empower humans. Mm. So. If you can get a sense of this, you have the, and again, it's not so black and white, but you have the Lyrans playing out the patriarchal father who comes and goes, again, stereotyped, you know, he might in the old days off to work and back again, and he might be the disciplinarian, and he might, you know, you have to do what I say, and he looks at us as, you know, that they're the creator gods, and um and then you have the vegans who didn't like that, an offshoot, and they're more the maternal, the mystical, the intuitive. Mm -hmm. Their energy is more inward. They started things like yoga and the mystic schools and the oh. secret schools. And Lyra was more like, boom, 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 you know, <laughs> like think lion. Now, what's interesting is the vegan symbology is the snake or serpent and of course which is a sign of kundalini and the garden of eden story it's actually a sign of knowledge and um it's also mass consciousness second or third major fear which i find very interesting the fear of snakes mm -hmm. and i find that most phobias and many things are all related to all these stories plus many other species that we'll get into at a later date but we're just trying to say to these six key species and what i'm going to do is i'm going to go through the six species uh fairly fast we're not going to get in depth so i'm just going to tell you general phenotypes you know generally how they look generally as a young species remember that they have shifted most of them shifted in our now time but as a young species what energies they were holding in the polarity game that incredibly impacted us. I love this NASA photo because it reminds me of a portal. And so we're going to talk about the founders because think of oneness fragmenting and sending these chunks of its consciousness called the founders, mass consciousness, through a portal into the lira like, yeah see so i found I, I thought this was a great um image the arcturians who remember are non-physical who often show up as angelics 
and who set up the Arcturian magnetic grid for Earth. Okay, and they often show up as angelics and guides. Cool. Okay, go on next. We have a little delay here. Okay, so this is another incredible NASA slide that I found that represents to me the second fragmentation. So the first was the founders. They went into these chunks. Then they, being holographic children of source, decided to continue the game as creators. And they were enough in touch with what the source wanted, which was sensing the polarity game, sensing that we're going to have positive polarity service to others, service to self, and eventually integrate it. They knew that. So they, you can almost think of it like a huge big bang. And I think this slide is so wonderful. They just like, <laughs> you know, exploded in these myriad sparks or shards of holographic, which is all of us. We are one and we are them. And then sent them off. They went off. Every, all of us went off exploring. And uh, the founders very carefully, uh, as they were finishing the template for the humanoid body, which is very common in our galaxy, in solar system, meaning a head, two arms, two legs, you know, the general type, it seems to be the template that was preferred for this grand experiment. And so as they were setting that up, they gently guided these adventurous souls, you know, sparks to the area of Lyra as their first place because there were third and fourth density planets that were being prepared and set up for the beginning of the human species. Wow. Okay. Okay, so next. And this would be one representation of feline beings, uh, which is, you could say, we're actually Lyran. Also, oh, okay. Lyran ancestry. Okay, next. This is the giants. Also, Lyran ancestry. Is he holding a cat or He's a, a, like a lion. Oh, okay. It shows you the sign. It's a Petra, you know, a sculpture, an ancient right. sculpture. Okay. And these guys were huge. And um, it's another derivation off Lyrians, of Lyrians. Huh. Uh, Vikings. Right. All of us are from Lyra. So, but these are just a couple of okay. symbolic. Okay, next. And this is Lyra. This is a constellation of Lyra, which is the ancient first home of the human ancestry. I see. Okay. Cool. So you have a sense of them. And please remember that we are all here by choice to master this game, even if you're kicking and screaming all the way through it, because it is an amazing game. And all of you are courageous co-creators that have chosen to many to come. There's actually several million volunteers here that don't even have to be here, but came to serve mm -hmm. and make sure we make the transition from third to fourth density. And because we, this is like the best game in town. It is the most challenge, challenging, and it has the most potential for evolutionary growth, both individualistically and in mass consciousness. So, mm -hmm. so please don't feel you're here by mistake, even though in third density, it feels like that. Okay.
All right, next. This is the Pleiades, Seven Sisters. So one of the first groups from Lyra uh, that decided to come to Earth with the Pleiades, and uh, I have a funny little story about that. Um, the Palladians are intuitive. Uh, they're very generally a very attractive group. They're still Caucasian, uh, high cheekbones, eyes, lower earlobes, like I said, um, sandy brown hair to blonde. Uh, and we will get to the darker skin, so in no way am I prejudiced or biased. I'm just saying, um, sharing what Lisa's information uh, has foretold. So the Pleiades, um, Pleiadians were not, wanted to, you know, kind of break away from the Lyrians and the authoritarian figure, you know, figures. And they wanted to use more of their intuition. They were very into harmony. They were very into... Um, uh, I had this memory of living in a domed home, uh, even with various couples and all children and all animals would be considered uh, yours. So nothing would be owned. They'd come like and go. Communal type thing? Yeah, oh, kind of, but high consciousness, okay, right. high consciousness. Mm -hmm. uh, we're talking about Palladian in our present era now mm -hmm. or future mm -hmm. where their consciousness is such where they're aware of oneness so they can handle that without a lot of drama. Mm -hmm. uh, beautiful. So they, though, early on decided, wow, let's come to Earth. This looks like a beautiful home. And so they did. They were one of the first here. And uh, they came at the time where, uh, how do you say, prehistoric man, man was developing, mankind was developing. And from, you know, the Neanderthal jump to the Cro-Magnon jump, which happened very fast uh, for reasons, I believe, of genetic uh, enhancement and mm -hmm. interference by the ET forefathers. To me, there's no question about that because there's no uh, answer scientifically or evolutionary, uh, evolutionarily, if that's a word, for um, massive jump in consciousness, brain size, and everything. So they came at that time, and they had about 300 years of utopia with wow. the common man they were friends they loved it it was gorgeous kind of like a garden of eden time etc etc and they did take the liberty now remember that every group has agendas it's one of the things True. i love studying is the agendas so in a certain way even if you think you're service to others if you have an agenda which every third density and probably fourth density person has because they're still playing levels of polarity you have service to self <laughs> right? I mean, there are agendas and relationships and anything. So, so the Palladians were a little denial of that, but what they did is they took some of the genetics from human at the time and incorporated it into them. And the reason why they did this is they were very close to being very adaptable to our atmosphere and our gravitational fields at that time, mm -hmm. but they did it to have extra help. And all these uh, spacefaring species that are older than us, they are always looking way ahead. And they know that too much interbreeding weakens and destroys a species. Sure. So they are always interested in updating it, enhancing, you know, playing with it and that kind of thing. So the Pleiadians did that. 
And uh, then what happened, and, and was coexisting there, and then what happened is the Lyrans showed up. And the Lyrans have the concept that might makes right, ownership, we're the custodial gods, we're the originators, we are the true race, we are here, we own everything, we own this. And the Palladians were, okay, here's the Palladians' polarity. They were extremely polarized to the positive. In other words, they would not deal with any shadow part of anybody. They would not deal with darkness. They would not deal with negativity. They would not deal with any of that. So what happened is some skirmishes happened, and it wasn't full-out wars, but it was skirmishes between the Lyrans and Palladians. And Palladians kept trying to do sneaky things like get them diverted off and all of that. And it became so exhausting that very sadly, they left to find another home, which took them to the Pleiades. And um, however, they keep their eyes on us. They still come and go. They are our first cousins, so to speak, mm -hmm. uh, because of the genetic. And the things that they learned, and part of their lessons we'll get into because it was the difference between interference and assisting. We are still learning that the lesson too. So that's who the Palladians are. Cool. And we only have like five minutes left. Oh my goodness. I will briefly state three of the major wounds that each of these species had that we inherited both behaviorally okay. and genetically. And the reason why I feel that this information is exciting and important is that um, it's like healing a wound. If you're going to heal a wound, and we all have wounds to heal for the integration game, right. you want to get to the source. You want to clean the source. Once you understand the source and bring that to a conscious level, it is much easier to let it go and heal. Right. So. That's my goal, and uh, thank you for your patience. And maybe we can't go ahead because you need to be able to close. Well, and please share with everybody your contact information again. Okay. So the contact information I'm just opening up, my first website is supersoulsolutions.com. And my email is Merrily, M-E-R-R-I-L-Y. Yes, that was my birth name. <laughs> Merrily, <laughs> yes, life is but a dream. Uh, Merrily at supersoulsolutions.com. Cool, thank you. Thank you, sweetie. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for being here. It's been, it's been, fun. It's been fun. Yes, it is fun. I hope it's not too overwhelming to the audience. It's a lot to take in.